So I have a burning word of the Lord inside my heart. Are you ready? One of those topics that can make you squirm, but I want to encourage you to squirm. <laughs> Do not resist the word of the Lord when it comes to your door. Amen. Ooh, just feel it running through my veins. Um, and so what I want to talk to you about is being lukewarm and backslidden. Because what I realized in my 30, almost five years of life, being born into the church, lived my whole life as a Christian, sometimes a Christian, I realized that lukewarmness is more prevalent than we may want to admit. And it's deceiving because it looks like it's all good on the outside at times. And I really feel that this is a word for the body right now, not just this body, but the body. I know that COVID has brought up a lot of things for a lot of us as believers. Uh, fear, anger, frustration, anxiety. But also the moment where we are faced with the reality of where we are at with God because we can't go to church physically for a church to do that for us. You hear what I'm saying? And some of us have found ourselves in a place where we weren't as strong as we thought we were. And some of us did. We're like, oh, I'm going for Jesus. Wow, this is awesome. Praise the Lord for that. But I feel like a lot of the body is more lukewarm than we realize. And if we don't talk about it, there will not be change. I can preach a million sermons about breakthrough to all of you. But if there's a if there's a place in your heart where you are backslidden or lukewarm, that you will never get that breakthrough. Hello. And no one wants to admit that they're there. And I feel like oftentimes we don't realize we're there. I've had friends in my life that I'm, you know, I I have a lot of friends in New Zealand and in other places in the world, and occasionally we'll talk and be like, yeah, what's going on? We're telling them about all the stuff that's happening in church and God's moving, woo! And they're like, yeah, awesome! And then during COVID, stuff happened, and then all of a sudden they're like, ugh, God's nowhere. I feel like I have no relationship with them. Ugh, it's like, but like a month ago, you were like, fire, glory, shut You know, you were like the most fiery, tongue-speaking person. But when the rubber hit the road, you realized that you were backslidden. And I want to encourage you to humble your heart today. Because if you are not lukewarm or backslidden right now, praise God. But take this as a warning to never go there. I like to, when I listen to sermons, again, I grew up my whole life in church. I've heard a lot of sermons. Anytime I hear a message, I just like to assume that it's for me. Instead of the latter. No, uh, oh, thank God, that's not me. Don't have to go to the altar call. You're like looking for every reason why it's not for you. I like to do the opposite. Okay, how does this apply to me? Oh, that might be me. Oh, oh I'm just going to assume, Jesus, if there's anything in my heart. I can't tell you how many times that I have said the sinner's prayer while other people have said it. You're like, um, I'm just going to say it. I'm just going to pray again my life again. Because you don't lose doing that. You don't lose when you assume every word is for you. And I feel like the body would do a lot better if we lived our lives that way. Instead of nitpicking and religiously analyzing everything. And, oh, no, that's not me. I'm offended. How could you say that? You would get a lot more out of the word. 
True. And if you were totally all good, then you would be equipped in case something tried to knock on your door because you were yep. paying attention. Come on. You're like, oh, this lukewarmness. I don't feel like it's hitting me, but I see it hitting my friend. Oh, hang on a minute. I just got a call this week, and it invited me to backslide. Mm-hmm. Oh, I remember the sermon because I took it all for myself like it was for me. Mm-hmm. You hear what I'm saying? So good. And, and I believe sometimes in the body of Christ, the hardest thing to discern is our own selves. We are so good at picking apart everything else, aren't we? You just open your social media. You go, everyone's a scholar. <laughs> everyone's a scholar. Lord of all knowledge, master of all knowledge. I wonder if we applied that same master of all knowledge to our own selves, that we would get a whole lot more revelation about where we are at before the Lord. Y'all getting the specks out of everyone else's eye when you got a plant hanging out there. Just got a little, you know. And we laugh, but this is so true. You know, even in the prophetic, you can get prophetic words for people. You can operate in the, the prophetic and you're fully reading people's mail. You can't read your own mail. Right, that's true. Yeah. Well, I'm getting to that. It's only the beginning. <laughs> if you've never heard me speak before, I like to be myself. I'm not trying to be anyone else. Awesome. I'm not trying to be Andrew or Pastor Jeff or Joyce Meyer. God bless, but they're anointed because they're themselves. Yep. So I learned to be myself. And it just sets you free. Just take that one for free. Okay? The hardest thing we can discern in our lives oftentimes is our own hearts. I'm going to go through a lot of scripture today. I'm going to walk you through a journey. So if I'm going fast, go to our podcast and listen to it again. Because there is a lot of scripture in this. And you might not even be able to turn there because I'm going to be zipping through this. But just go back or jot down the scripture reference, and you can go back to it later. Okay, Proverbs 21, verse 2 says, A person may think uh, their own ways are right, but the Lord weighs the heart. Oh, I can discern all the things, but you can't discern yourself. Everyone thinks they're right in their own eyes until the Lord comes, which is Proverbs 16, verse 2. Um, um, is that the one I just said? A man's ways are pure in their own eyes, but his motives are weighed by the Lord. Uh, Proverbs 18, verse 17 says, The first to plead his case seems right until another comes and examines him. And I feel we do this before the Lord a lot. We plead our case, or even before men. We plead our case, and everyone's like, Oh yeah, this seems so right. Until the Holy Spirit comes. Hang on a minute. You're like, oh! (laughs) Quick, I'm just going to plead my case again. And drown out any other voice so that no one can prove me wrong. Notice how all these say they seem right. A person may think that they're right in their own eyes. It seems right until the Lord weighs your heart or someone else comes and examines your heart. Mm-hmm. And I believe that's what the Holy Spirit's going to be doing today. But I, I, I believe that if we would let the Lord search our hearts as a habit, you wouldn't need sermons like this. Do you hear what I'm saying? Although we always need sermons like this. But if we had kind of uh, the muscle of search me and know me God, he would be able to tell you what's up in your life without needing someone's hand laid on you, some prophetic word. No man to go through. You would be discerning yourself. Hello. 
Okay, Psalm 139, verses 23 to 24. I love this. I pray this all the time. Search me, O God. Know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there's any hurtful way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. This is the way we are to live our lives. Amen? But I believe that there's such a lack of this in the body that we, we have become like a generation that's we're drunk on prophetic words. Let's have another prophetic meeting. Let's all prophesy over each other. Let's just have another night where we all prophesy. Okay, why don't we do something with the last prophecy we got? Because eventually you will get very confused because there's all these floating words, some from the spirit, some from the soul. And then you end up getting mad at God because you keep, it's not fulfilled. He's like, well, I was waiting for you to do something with that first word. I was waiting for you to say Psalm 139, search me and know you. So, Because if your vessel is not in a good spot, I cannot bring that word to fulfillment. If you can't allow me to search your heart, how am I going to lead you anywhere? You're just like a donkey stuck in the mud. I can't lead you anywhere. <laughs> fighting and fighting, but you want another word, but you won't do the word. Come on. God wants to fulfill every word he's spoken over you. He's waiting for you. And it starts with, search me, know me, help me to discern myself, God. How many of you have trusted yourself before and that went really bad? <sighs> Chief of sinners over here, okay? Try worship leading and doing that. Oh, all the worship leaders, <laughs> you know what's up. <laughs> okay, but what, what's happening, I believe, in this generation is that we are needing people to tell us what God is saying because we're not going to him ourselves. And because of that, we're becoming this weird, lukewarm Christian generation. Okay, and you can look on social media and see everyone hyping and saying it's revival and feel all happy and think that's how the entire body is. But you judge a tree by its fruit. There should be more people saved, set on fire. There should be a church on every corner. And we shouldn't need any social media to tell us that there's revival. We see it with our own eyes. But when we're not, there's a disconnect. And, and, you know, when we're not living the right way before God, and we're not letting him search us, things, we get mess, things get messy, right? And we become like David, who we can't discern ourselves, that he needed the prophet Nathan to come in 2 Samuel 12. How many remember the story? Okay, David and Bathsheba. David kills Uriah to get his wife. And he, even in all of that, does not discern himself. Can you believe that? This is the one who's like, his heart is after God. He's the one in the Bible who writes the Psalms. Kills a guy who can't discern himself. And the prophet Nathan has to come and tell him a story. He can't even tell him straight up, like, hey man, you killed someone. <laughs> That's bad. Okay, he needs to tell a story about a sheep. Where David can understand because he was a shepherd, right? And even in verse 5, we see that David, like, he gets actually super angry. He's like, this person should die. Whoa. Go down to verse 7. Nathan's like, you're the man. How humbling is that? How humbling is that moment where you are not able to discern yourself and God has to send a voice to you, that's me today, to say, are you lukewarm? Are you backslidden? Are you the man? Are you the woman? And we need to hear these sobering words so that we can check ourselves before we wreck ourselves and our lives and all the lives around us. Are you with me?
I really feel that the heart of Jesus, he's tired of the lukewarm church. You come here and be like, well, we go to dwelling place. We're all fiery and crazy. Woo! How are you on Monday? Tell me about your Wednesday. Do you worship more at home than you do in here? Come on, Just asking. You know, I was thinking about uh, lukewarm, and I looked up the dictionary definition. I love the dictionary. Okay, I'm going to read it to you. Lukewarm means the food or the liquid that should be hot, but is only moderately warm. And another definition says it's, it's, it's like a lack of enthusiasm. Okay, and in scripture, the, probably the most prevalent verse we hear about being lukewarm is from Revelation 3. And I'm going to read it to you. How many of you have been reading Revelation because you feel like it's the end of the days? <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's like, woo! Good, read it all the time. One day it's going to be the end of the day, so may as well know what's going to happen. Amen? <laughs> Revelation 3, let's go. We're going to go from verse 1. He who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars says, I know your deeds. I'm going to talk, I'm going to, just before I carry on. I'm going to go to and fro throughout Revelation where Jesus is talking to different churches. But how many of you know we are all the body, so it can all apply to us? That's right. Are you with me? I know your deeds, that you have a name, that you're alive, but you're dead. Wake up. Strengthen the things that remain, uh, which were about to die. For I have not found your deeds completed in the sight of my God. Woo! So remember what you have received and heard, and keep it, and repent. Therefore, if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know the hour which I will come. Okay, we're going to go to drop down to verse 14 of 15. He's talking to the, another church. I know your deeds, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot or cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Because you say I'm rich and, be, and become wealthy and have need of nothing. And you do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I believe this is the state of the church right now. And I don't believe that we're saying to God, I'm rich with my monetary value. I believe we're saying, I'm rich with all my knowledge. I'm rich. I'm great. I don't need anything else. That's what this says. Because you say, I am rich. I've become wealthy. I don't need anything. Okay, I'm rich in knowledge. I'm wealthy in all my scriptures, oh Lord. Oh, I've heard all the pod Todd White. I know every single sermon. You do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, naked, spiritually. These are very sobering scriptures, but if we eat them down, they will give us life and safeguard our hearts to never be this way. Because if we don't look at the, the word of God and allow it to transform us and change us, we will become lukewarm. Okay? What I believe lukewarmness is, is you grow to a certain point and then you stop. You might have had like an explosion when you got saved and it's like all the devils left and you're like honeymooning with the Lord. And then without even realizing it, you just started coasting. There wasn't really the highs in God anymore. 
and you kept going to church, but it really wasn't like when you first started going. And you got all this knowledge, but you don't, you're not changing. There's kind of like this weird, funky, in the middle spot. And I like to call it, or I like to define it as you stopped abiding. John 15 and 5 and 6 says that we are supposed to abide with him. But when we get out of abiding with Jesus, things become mundane. They become plain. There's no life. It's just the humdrum of the Christian life. And you kind of keep going because that's what you do, but there's no life on the inside of you. You stop. And I believe there's three areas where we really stop abiding, and any one of these can cause lukewarmness to come into your life. You stop abiding with the Lord in the secret place. Okay, you just when you, when you just got saved, you were like always with God, singing, dancing all the time. Everywhere you were, it was like an open heaven. Then you got familiar. Then you stopped spending time with God. You stopped doing Matthew 6, 6, where you go into your room and you pray to the Lord by yourself. It then became about the ritual of doing God's stuff, but without God. You, did, you, you were really into Psalm 91, where you're abiding under the shadow of the Almighty. You quote it every day. And little by little, you just kind of pulled away from seeking God. And the church you go to had all the programs, and instead of being alone with God, you signed up for 20 programs. Somehow thinking that that would help, but there's a dryness on the inside of you. There's a lukewarm, you're not really feeling on fire anymore, but you just kind of sit in there. You stop dividing with the Lord personally. This is what happens too. Lukewarmness can come in when you stop abiding in the word. Psalm 119 verse 105 says, Your word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. These are the people that go to the prophetic meetings and you need a hundred prophetic words because you have no idea where your path is. And God said, my word is a light for your path. Read it. You stopped abiding in his word and you became confused. And all of a sudden there's no fire. There's no spark. You're lukewarm. I need direction. I need. I need to. I need to get all these counseling services because counseling's good. But if you're a serial counseling service person, then you're going through man again. Uh -huh. Hello. So good. Your word is right there. It's a lamp unto your feet. Psalm 119 verse 11 says, "I've hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you." You got all funky because you stopped reading. And again, I've been I've been Christian my whole life. And I'm telling you, some days when you're trying to read the word, it is Jesus, you know what I mean when I say this. It is boring. You're like, ah, especially if you're like numbers. Ugh. Don't say you haven't felt like that. I'm trying to read through the whole Bible, and I just want to skip through numbers. You're like the mundane, ah, because it was boring. Are you read the gospel so many times? Like, I know, I know. No life. I like to read the Bible with the Holy Spirit. Does anyone do that? Yeah. I'm like, hey, Lord, I'm going to read. I don't want to read without you. Can you please come and help me read this? Make it alive to me. And he does every time. I encourage you to do that. If you're feeling like a dryness in your reading, get yourself a plan. Don't make it too big that you won't do it. Hello? Yeah. I'm going to read 12 chapters a day. First day you read half a chapter, you're like, oh, I got to do this. 
Okay, you, you stop abiding in the word, you became lukewarm. I know in times in my life when I've dealt with depression, I always linked it to I stopped reading the word. And then I would start reading the word again, and then something happened in my heart. Like, oh, I feel alive again. Oh, because it's alive. Okay, you've got to abide in the word or else the warmness will set in. Okay, here's another thing. If you stop abiding in fellowship with other believers, it will cause a lukewarmness to come in your life. Now, again, if you're doing, like, Word and spending time with God, that's a little different. But people who just become islands and isolate themselves and they never fellowship, Hebrews 10, 25, do not forsake the gathering together. Okay, if you become an island, good luck progressing. Well, it's just me and the Lord. All I need, the veil was torn, so it's me and God forever. Okay, so you're telling me you can discern everything of your whole life all the time and you don't need anyone else? Okay, give me a time so I'm going to erase the body of Christ out of the scripture. You're a body. Uh, Join it together. Oh, no, let's erase that. You don't need that. Jesus is the head. We are his body. I can do all things through Christ's body. He strengthens me. Well, I don't want to fellowship a brother. Okay, just be careful. I'm so grateful for the community we have here because we love each other. We cry with each other. We laugh with each other. We check each other's blind spots. We have hard conversations. And it is the making of me and you. Fellowship. If you stop that, you be careful because lukewarmness can set in on your life because there's no iron sharpening iron. There's just this iron in the wind. Some of you have been feeling lukewarm because you've been detached from this community. Some devil of rejection might be keeping you out. We break its power in Jesus' name. How many of you have felt that before? Like you've kind of separated a little bit maybe from a church in your past, and then all of a sudden you're like, I feel like, ugh, there's no life. I feel lukewarm. I know, I know I've done it too. Okay, but what happens is, if you do not do something about this, if you stop abiding with God in the secret place, abiding in his word, abiding with community, if you do nothing about that, what happens is the oil in your heart runs out. Okay, and we know what happens in Matthew 25 and verses 1 to 13. The virgins who did not have enough oil, okay, they, they went and tried to get it from someone else. How many of you know the story? Okay, they're like, quick, you know, the, the wise virgins who had extra oil, they're like, quick, give me your oil. They're like, we can't. And how many times we do that in the body of Christ? It's like, quick, give me some oil. I need some oil. That's between you and God. Come on. Pastor, I need oil. Worship take place. And I understand some moments you get dry and you really do get filled in those moments, but I'm talking about a lifestyle of going through people. Okay, so if you stop it, you don't abide, your oil starts running out. And then you feel like the virgin that God said, you are not welcome in this place. And you start feeling outside. You start feeling like everyone else is getting the words, everyone else has Holy Spirit fire, and you don't. Okay, and what happens is you start degenerating spiritually. And you start turning, you start becoming detached and you become like Isaiah 29, 13. You draw near with your with your mouth, but your heart is far from me. You know all the things to say and pray, but your heart is not there. You are like Titus 1, 16. You profess to know God, but you deny him in your works. 
See, you know enough lingo to pass by. You can even be the one jumping the highest up here. But your heart is far from him. Come on. You turn it to becoming like 2 Timothy 3. I'm not going to read the whole scripture, but we're going to 2 Timothy 3 and, and down in verse 5. It says, you have an appearance of godliness, but you're denying its power. Mm -hmm. That's the tricky thing about all the knowledge that's going around the body of Christ right now. You know all the things to say. You, you listen to all the podcasts, but your heart is far from them. Your life is not reflected. You are denying God in your works. I know this is a heavy word. You become like Matthew 23 and verse 27 where Jesus was calling the Pharisees whitewashed tombs. Looking so polished on the outside, but inside is dead man's bones. Oh, you show up. You get your hair straight, okay? But inside, you're dying. Spiritually. There is no fire. Your heart is far from anything you're saying. The, ge the generation continues. And you become like Luke 6, 46, where Jesus finally says, Why do you call me Lord and do not do what I tell you to do? Oh, the Lord, you know. You know my heart. Yes, I know your heart. It's dry. It's like a dry cracker in communion. Come on. Trying to eat that thing down. It's like dry the whole way down. You're like, quick, give me the juice. Let me try to eat. <laughs> we live our lives. We live our Christianities like this. I'll eat the cracker, but that thing is dry. And I'm calling you Lord, but I'm not doing what you say I should do. Okay, and then you end up being like Galatians uh, 3 in verse 3. This is what they were getting told. Who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed and crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the spirit by works of the law or by hearing of faith? Are you foolish? Have you begun in the spirit? Now you're being perfected by the flesh. Okay, you're the, you're the Matthew 5.15. You had a lamp and then you put a shade over it. You put a shade over that light. And you do all the rituals and, and you nothing. It means nothing. And you like to go home and tell yourself it means something. But really the fruit of your life will tell you if you believe it or not. Because I feel like that's this generation too. Well, I know God knows and me and God and this. And I just will listen to this worship song and feel better and then forget. But the, fear, the fruit of your life will show me what you believe. It will show me if there's a fire or dead man's bones. Or if your, if your words are right there, but your heart is far from it, I'll see it. He sees it. See how dangerous lukewarmness is? It's a spiral. Okay? What happens is, which is what I believe is happening in the body a lot right now, you become this hybrid Christian where you become an unbelieving believer. <laughs> Hello? Are you awake? Yeah. Wakey, wakey. You become an unbelieving believer. You believe enough. You know too much about the word to sin. Okay, but you won't engage in the fire. So you'll sit around. You like the mega churches because you can really hide. 
and, and make yourself feel better that you went somewhere. But you go home and live with this feeling on the inside. Come on. You're an unbelieving believer. And I believe it's rampant in the body of Christ right now. People just want to hide and not be known and not really engage in the fire. But they know too much not to sin. So I'm not going to go cold. But I'm not going to be hot. I'm just going to sit in this lukewarm. I won't upset anybody. I'll blend in really well. I'll be able to reach all my unbelieving friends. Compromised. Say it. James 4.17 says, whoever knows the right thing to do and doesn't do it, that's sin. So you might be telling yourself that you're not sinning because you ain't in the club. Okay? Did you like that? Okay? Oh, I'm not sinning. I didn't actually smoke with everyone. I just sat there. And I condoned the smoking with my presence because I didn't stop it. Oh, I'm not going to... No, you know the right thing to do and you didn't do it. James just told us that's sin. You're lukewarm. You're in the middle. Oh, I don't want to rock the boat. Rock it. You might get someone saved. Wakey, wakey, body of Christ. Wake up. Hello. I believe this message is going to go all across the world and set people on fire. I woke up this morning knowing this was a big thing because it's rampant and it's all over the body. And we let everyone at the front look like they're on fire, and then we like vicarious live our live our lives through them. Right. Oh well, they're on fire. I'm part of an on fire church equals me on fire. <laughs> I, I I agree with everything they're saying. I just won't do it. Come on, oh, wow. come on. In the middle. Come on. You know what I thought about this too. I thought about because I grew up in a Christian home. I keep saying it, but I'm just letting you know a million times. This reminded me so much of part of my childhood because I knew so much of, about God, but I never dipped my toes in myself. And I feel like there are so many children in our churches, so many youth in our churches, they'll sit in the service, they'll look, they'll agree, but they'll never engage. So it wasn't even that they were ever hot. They just grew up in the family. They knew all about God, but never engaged in the fire. So they're sitting in this weird, lukewarm thing because they know too much to sin. They'll feel guilty if they sin, but they won't ever go in. And I feel like a lot of youth, are, they're, they're sitting in that place of lukewarmness and they can't get out. They, they, they've experienced no fire, no love, no passion. And, but they like know too much to sin. So they're stuck in this weird lukewarm spot. Can other people like this? I was thinking about the movements that have swept through this region. Started in the fire of God, baptism, Holy Ghost, deliverance, freedom, and all of a sudden they started camping. And instead of following the cloud like the children of Israel, they decided to just make up their own little denomination rules. Oh, how could you talk about denominations? All I'm talking about, because I see the fruit of that. And it camped out. It's like a lot of baby boom, baby boomers are there right now. That generation. They were in the fire. They were in the Jesus movement. And all of a sudden, they got a part of the church. And then it just camped. And they never progressed. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, I'm older. These are for these young whippersnakes. No way, man. I'm burning this thing all the way until I'm 120 glory. And then the chariots of fire come and get me. 
because you sit in a generation and you get stuck in that culture and then you never move forward into what God's doing in the, in the next coming moves and cultures. Oh, well, that's the millennial generation. Be a part of them. Well, that's Generation Z. I don't even understand them. They are heaven's hope. Don't get stuck in your own weird, funky culture area. Don't be a part of a movement and then look back 20, oh, those were the good old days and we are on fire. The fire of God is still moving. The fire of God is sweeping across the earth. The enemy always wants you to think that there's no fire anymore. Oh, so no, he's alive and well. Go find somewhere where he is. Stop staying in that dead pool. And don't tell me that you're going to go to a church and be the on-fire one and then influence the whole church so that they all get on fire because of you. And that is not biblical. I'm offending people today. The Bible says what's on the head flows down. You can go in there and influence some of your friends, but if you think you're going to take over the pastor with your fire, good luck. You go somewhere where the leadership is already on fire. That's what you like eating spiritually. Come on. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Oh, well, all that, that makes people lukewarm so fast. They go to, I remember being in a youth group and this happening. My own church was super lukewarm. Bless it. It did help me. But it was super lukewarm. back. I'm like, wow. Thank God I survived. <laughs> it was lukewarm and I grew to a point, but I couldn't grow anymore because that was all they were serving spiritually. And I remember having to visit other churches being like, whoa. This is a lot. This is electric. And I was like, this is what God is like. And I thought I would go and take it back to my church. Then I just went back down to that level again. I was like, Ugh. I'll just go back to the fire church to get a kick. And I didn't realize the Lord was like, you're supposed to be at that church. Yeah. It took me a year and a half to figure it out, but I got there. Is this helping somebody? Okay. If you're not careful in your life, you will find yourself lukewarm. It's just how the enemy, we don't, we underestimate the subtleness of the enemy. He'll come right in and just tame some stuff down. A little compromise here, a little compromise there. Don't show up here, stop reading here. And you find yourself in this weird limbo. We are not sinning, but you're not moving forward. Are you with me? Yeah. Okay, you end up needing programs from churches to make you feel saved enough. Okay, but those programs are the very things that are keeping you in the lukewarm state. Well, I don't go to that church because they don't have 10,000 Easter eggs at Easter time. Okay. Bless your program. I hope those 10,000 eggs help you get on fire for God. Is, is that how you choose your church? I have mom friends that have said this. Like, and then they're totally falling off the wagon now. Like, are those 10,000 eggs did not help you, did they? You wanted that program. <laughs> to make you feel like you were a part of like this big Easter thing. Okay, you end up living in a soulish realm. Okay, and, and you end up requiring men to go before God for you, like Moses had to do for the children of Israel. You, you, you know what? The first thing that happened when Jesus died on the cross, the veil was torn. The separation was torn. The spirit of religion would like you to always go through a man and depend on a man, but that is not required anymore. But when you fall into a no oil, dried up, lukewarm state, you need a man because they're seeking God and you need his seeking God to help you. You need a Moses. 
and you end up attacking the people who are hot. Because if you attack them and tear them down, it justifies you staying on board. Well, they're just crazy. They're just out there. They're, the book of Acts is not relevant for today. Who do they think they are? God is quiet. Is he? The, ocean, the ocean's really loud. Did God make the ocean? Don't tell me he's a quiet God. Oh, well, it is, they're just the crazy ones. And we all are comfortable in this way that we do religion. In this way that we do church. I'm going to know you by your fruit. Why do you have to talk so much about why they are so hot? Why do you have to do that? Why do you say that? Because you're justifying something in your heart. Because you know you should be hot. And you're sitting and deciding to be lukewarm. And you overcompensate and you tear down and you tear down all the, all the crazy churches. Because somewhere on the inside, well, if I tear them down to my level, Come on. I won't feel as bad that I'm compromised. You get to a point where you're like Matthew 21, where Jesus said that everyone who calls me Lord will enter the kingdom. But only he that doesn't know my father. Are you alive? This is the word that you need to hear. And let, let, let the meat of this word go to your belly and you digest it. It's for me. And if it's not, the Holy Spirit will tell you. But just say it's for me. Okay, this is what happens. And I'm going to go through this really quick. If you do not... Uh, turn in this moment of uh, lukewarmness in your heart, you will backslide. Don't think that you can, it's like keeping up the appearance of lukewarmness gets exhausting after a while and you end up sliding backwards. Are you with me? Okay. Proverbs 26 11 says, as a dog returns to, returns to his vomit, so fools repeat their folly. Backsliding is the opposite of repentance. Repentance is turning away from your sin. Like, get away, I'm turning away, repent. But backsliding is the exact opposite, where you slide right back into where you were. And I believe that that's the agenda of the enemy. Because God's heart is that we would all repent and turn. And the enemy always wants the opposite, that we would slide back and walk away from God. Okay, and we are like dogs who return to the vomit we went away from. So a fool returns to his folly. Okay, you are like, if you get into a backslidden state, you are like Matthew 21 and verse 28. You are like the son that said, yes, I'll go work in the vineyard, but later didn't do it. I can't tell you how many people who said that they were supposed to be a part of this church who are not here anymore. Because they were like the screamiest, loudest ones. Yes, this is the place. They said yes. And then they didn't come. And so many of us do this with God. Yes, Lord, yeah. You're like, freedom in this place, Jesus. And then Monday comes, no. Yeah, no. I'd rather be like the guy that said no and then said yes. Come on. See the degeneration of lukewarmness into backslidingness. I'm going to read Galatians 4 and verse 9. But now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, how is it that you turn back again to the weak and worthless elemental things to which you desire to be enslaved all over again? When you backslide, you go and be enslaved by the thing that previously made you a slave. And I found that that Christians have no idea most of the time 
that their heart is in a backslidden state. Now, there are some of us who completely know we're backslidden. We're like, we're totally in sin. Well, I know. <laughs> but we need to be careful of the times that we don't realize. Because you can be on fire in some areas and then totally backslidden in others. How does that work? It's, it's, the human heart is very complicated. Are you with me? Yeah. Okay, I'm going to go through the degeneration of sliding backwards. This is going to be a lot, but go with me. Take notes or read the, uh, listen to the podcast later. Okay, I really believe that the heart of why people backslide is because they forgot their first love. They completely forgot their first love. And that is another scripture from Revelation 2 verse 4 where Jesus said, this I have against you. Should we read it? Let's read it. Okay. <clears throat> Revelation 2. I'm going to read this whole thing because it's so good. And starting in verse 2, I know your deeds and your toil and your perseverance. You cannot tolerate evil men. You put to the test those who call themselves apostles. They are not. You found them to be false. You have perseverance. You've endured for his name's sake. You haven't grown weary. But I have this against you. You forgot your first love. Therefore, remember from where you have fallen and repent and do the deeds you first did, or else I'm coming to you and remove your lampstand out of its place unless you repent. Okay, these, the, the church he was talking to, oh, they were on fire, persevering, but they don't tolerate evil. Oh, they, you know, they tear down people who are false apostles. They're doing all the things that look really powerful, but inside, dead man's bones. You forgot your first love. Jesus didn't say, hey, I have this little suggestion for you. He said, I was against you. That's what it means to him, you being close to him. Okay, and I really believe people go so far back into their old lives in sin because they are not in love with Jesus. They do not have the relationship with their father that they need. Are you with me? Okay, Matthew 24, 12 says, In the end days, because of the increase of wickedness, the love of many will grow cold. Okay, and I believe that what happens is in people's hearts is that, you know, the parable of the sower. It's in Luke 8. I'm not going to read all of it. But at one point in your life, you were a good soil. But because you didn't tend to the soil of that heart, all the other things that were a part of the bad soils then became your soil. It's a degeneration. Okay, I'm actually going to read some of those, okay? The different uh, soils, I'm going to read uh, what Jesus, how Jesus is explaining them. It's Luke 8 and verse 12. Those beside the road are those who have heard, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from her, their heart so that they will not believe and be saved. Okay, do not think that you were once saved, always saved. We do not believe that here. That is not scriptural. Because I believe the soil of your heart can be in a really awesome, good place. And then just like the scripture, the devil comes and takes away the word from your heart. Doubt, fear, unbelief. And sometimes I've read this and I'm like, oh yeah, the word gets sown and then straight away the devil steals. I believe the devil does it over time. Slowly steals a promise. Slowly sows doubt. I wonder how long Eve talked to the serpent before she engaged. Did God really say? Mm -hmm. We don't know how long that period of time was. We just see it like boom, boom. Okay? Those on the rocky soil are those who when they hear, they receive the word with joy, but they have no root. They believe for a while, and in time of temptation, they fall away. Okay, you might be on fire for a good five years of your life, and then the enemy comes and tempts you, you fall away. Okay, degeneration, backsliding. The seed which fell among the thorns, these are the ones who have heard, 
And as they go on the way, they are choked with the worries and the riches and the pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to maturity. Lukewarm. Okay? You hear the word, you go on your way, woo, all of a sudden something chokes it out. And you bear no fruit. How come I'm not bearing any fruit in my life? Is something choking you? Well, I am full of 40 and dominion or all my life. I would see the fruit of that if you did. Hey, it's just the Bible. Well, it's not about works. I'm not a human doing. I'm a human being. Faith without works is dead. That's also in the Bible. Yeah. You will judge a tree by its fruit. That's yeah. in the Bible. Yep. Yeah. If you were not meant to do anything and just be, you would get sucked up the second you got saved. Saved. Whoop, here comes another one. Whoop. <laughs> got another one, Lord. Celebrate angels. Let's go. No, you're left here because you have something to do. Come human doing. Do something. Okay, but if you're choked, you will bring nothing to fruition. Are you with me? Okay, you're degenerating, you're backsliding. And what really happens is because you don't have a love with God, you end up loving the world. Are you with me? Matthew 6, 24 says you cannot serve two masters. Either you will love the one or hate the other. Okay, you don't have God's love, so you're going after the world. Matthew 16, 26. What do you gain if you gain the whole world but lose your soul? Okay, people think when they love the world that they're gaining so much, but their eternity is very grim. James 4, verse 4. The fr a friend of the world is an enemy of God. Right. Woo! Come on, I'm bringing you the meaty stuff today. Come on. Okay, even Paul experiences with people he literally worked with. We see in 2 Timothy 4, verse 10, Demas loved this world and deserted him. That's right. And I believe a lot of people are doing that to the Lord right now. They love this present world, and they are deserting him. Oh, well, I can watch my church online, and it's helping me. I heard that a lot at the beginning of COVID, and I talk to people now, and they're like, oh, it's just so hard to, like, watch. Yeah. I'm like, how are you doing with God? Right. Yeah. Are you deserting him? Yeah. Are you loving this present world? Because do not think that there aren't things fighting for your attention. Yeah. They are. The enemy would love for you to do the opposite of repentance and backslide. He's looking for opportunities. No, we do not glorify the devil. But if we don't have some sermons where we talk about what he does, we will remain blind. It's my job to equip you to see wise as serpents. Do you know why they say wise as serpents? Does anyone know? Because when something is coming to attack, the serpent will always rise up to attack. And we are like a, a beaten down, dead, unaware body. And the enemy's coming, and we're not rising to strike. Come on. Shut up. But not you guys. Come on. Mm -mm. We're going to be equipped. Because we think the devil comes in like a big scary demon figure in our room at night. And, oh, I will see him when he's coming. Please. Angel of light, anybody. Deceiver of the nations, anybody. You're not going to catch me unawares. Out you go, devil. Before the service, we were praying, and I just felt this thing trying to come. And I just said to it, that's why I kept saying, I take dominion out. And it said back to me, well, I've been here longer. I'm just like, oh. A stronger man is here. So you better get out of the way. That's right. And devils don't know what to do with Christians that will rise up to strike. Who will get back and say, oh, yeah, you want a piece of me? 
A greater man is here. A greater blood is here than any sacrifice you give me on Come on. A greater blood is here. It's the blood of Jesus. The eternal blood of Jesus. Out. We don't care how long you've been here. Jesus' blood has been here before the foundations of the earth. Out. Do you see how much authority you have? It's not just me. I'm just a mom. No, you're not. Walk with me. Seven days a week. I'm a mom. But I figure something out. That this word works. And I have dominion. And I'm tired of needing another breakthrough and another breakthrough. I'm just going to be an overthrow. Right, Ben? Come on. If we keep needing breakthrough after breakthrough after, you'll starve in between the breakthroughs. When is it going to be overthrow time you kick those tables over and say, I have dominion. I have the dominion. Tongue-talking mom. What's up? I've got a sword. I'm not afraid to use it because I'm going to rise up with strength. Come on. Woo! I feel so much power in that. Come on, wake up. Don't backslide, wake up. And store this message in your heart so you can save people who are backsliding right now. And you don't even have any idea. See, what happens is, is when people backslide, they become, they start doing the opposite of Romans 12 too, which is do not be conformed to this world. You start conforming to the world, and your mind no longer gets renewed by the That's word. Right. You conform to the world. You start taking, okay, like all the soils I said, the cares of the world, the success of the world. Oh, Lord, I just need to get the biggest breakthrough of my whole life. Then I'll be so happy. I've seen that when people get success in their life, it's their greatest downfall. Don't see this thing. See this scripture? In verse 14 of Luke 8, it says, they are choked. We always think worries of riches and pleasures. A lot of Christians have become lukewarm and backslidden because they had something go good for them, which is ludicrous, right? It's crazy. You want to, we want to be on the cutting edge of what God's doing, but let me just say something. Do not forget him when you get there. Yeah. Ladies, when you get married. Oh, Jesus is my lover. You get married, and that person is now taking the place of Jesus. And Jesus is like, maybe I should have never had them get married. Because I'm the first love. Repent. Maybe you are not married yet because God is establishing you in first love with him so that when you do, nothing will shake it. I dated Andrew when I was 18. Then he broke up with me, and my world fell apart because I was sure he was my husband. Some of you ladies like, done that. I was sure he was my husband, and then for six years, he broke up with me and he dated other people, and it was like, oh, that was, I was listening to a devil. Sorry, Lord. <laughs> but those six years, I threw myself at Jesus. And over and over and over, he would give me visions of me being his bride and him dancing with me and him sweeping me off my feet. And I tell you, I had so much of a first love experience. That I was so much on the point of Jesus being my husband that I was like, I don't even know how I'm going to marry anyone because I just, I'm so in love. God had to give me a vision of me hanging onto Jesus' heart, and the little boy came up and pushed my hand closer into Jesus' heart. 
He says, it's going to be okay. Whoever you marry is going to push you closer to me and not take you away. And I'm like, okay. Woo! Juice on that one still. Some of you are like, oh my gosh, did you fall in love with Jesus? Okay, what happens is, is Ephesians 4.27, when you're backsliding, you start opening doors to the enemy. You give the enemy a foothold. That's what Ephesians 4.27, don't give the enemy a foothold. But when you're backsliding, you're not just starting up, down, right, wrong. You're giving footholds all over the place. You don't realize it. Okay, pride and fear start kicking in. You start resisting hard seasons. Okay, you rewrite what God said to you so you can justify why you have stayed in a lukewarm state. Oh, well, this word hasn't come, so obviously I'm not called to this church and I'll just go somewhere else because it hasn't come yet. Maybe I'm not called to Orange County because, and when God has said, hold the line, and then when it doesn't happen on your timeline, you decide to rewrite the prophetic word. Oh, well, God said that I would actually go to Florida, so I, really? So he changed his mind because of COVID. COVID really threw him off of his throne. He can't stand California because of all the fires and all the governor stuff. Did God call you here? Did he change his mind? Come on. 2 Timothy 4, verse 3 to 4, it says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. Doctrine. They'll want to have their ears tickled. They'll accumulate to themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires. Okay, when you're backslidden, you don't want to hear the truth. You want to hear what your own desire is. So you'll go and listen to all the podcasts that justify your state. Instead of listening to the challenges, challenging ones that actually confront you, you just write those off because they don't feel good. Okay, you're living in the soulish realm. You'll turn away your ears from the truth and turn aside to miss. Okay, but you, be sober in all things, endure hardship, and do the work of evangelists to fulfill your ministry. Woo! Okay, this is another thing. When you are backslidden, you are Revelation 2.20, where Jesus said, I have this against you. You tolerate that woman Jezebel. Okay, you backslide because you tolerate sexual immorality or that manipulative, emotional, controlling spirit Jezebel, and you're blaming God. God, where are you? How come you haven't come through? You're tolerating Jezebel. Yeah. You are tolerating sexual immorality, you are tolerating emotional manipulation, and you are bending over to hell. Woo! Did Jesus, you are tolerating that woman Jezebel. This was not in the time of Jezebel. These were churches that were far past that. That's right. That means it's a spirit that can operate. That's right. Yep. Jesus said, don't tolerate that. Some of you are tolerating it and wondering why you're not progressing. Okay, this is another thing that happens when you're backsliding. When you have the absence of spiritual leaders, you will backslide. Okay, Exodus 32 and verses 1 and also 8. When Moses took so long spending time with God, the children of Israel decided they'd make their own God. Oh, well, the leader's gone, so I'm just going to think about this by myself. You need godly leadership. You need to be led. You need to be discipled, not controlled. But don't, in the name of not being controlled, not get any leadership. Hello. And I'm not talking about the leader knows my name and we go back, bro. No, actually being under and have and being seen and accountable, submitted. Not talking gossip behind their back. Oh, I'm fully committed to the vision, but the pastor, I've had people say that. I'm like, the vision came out of that vessel. And God's chosen that vessel to bring out that vision. So they are one. 
okay? When you're backsliding, you're susceptible to offense. Matthew 18, verse 7, verse 7 says, Woe to that person through which that offense comes through. Okay, you start running from the call of God like Jonah. And ultimately, uh, this is what I feel like a lot of people end up doing. They become unequally yoked. 2 Corinthians 6, verse 14 to 18. You, you don't have any love of God, and all of a sudden you're spiraling, then you go find it somewhere. Sometimes people, that's the first thing they do, is they go find someone to be unequally yoked to them. This is what you do. Okay, if lukewarmness or backsliddenness is creeping in at the door, or some of the stuff I've said, you're like, that's, that's me. That's, what do I do? Okay, let me tell you something. If you do nothing, you will spiral into a hard heart, mm -hmm. and you will become callous to not be able to hear. If you do nothing, you'll return to that vomit and you will be like Matthew 12 and verse 44 where your house was swept clean and then seven more demons decided to come and dwell with you again. Do not think that limbo lukewarmness is a safe place. It is not. And if you don't, if you sit there and do nothing, do not think the enemy is going to send those devils to come and occupy again. Because once you cross over, that's it. There's no going back. And if you try to, you, the, the, this scripture says the person is worse than, the, than what they were before they had the deliverance. Okay? If we do nothing, that is what will come to us. This is what we should do. Are you listening? This is where we need to listen. We need to examine ourselves. Are you with me? 2 Corinthians 13 and verse 5 encourages us to examine our own hearts. Like I said at the beginning, search me and know me, God. The Lord does not want you to backslide or be lukewarm. He wants to help you. He didn't die such a death so that you could have this doormat Christianity where everyone steps on your life. Come on. You have to examine your heart and then you have to do a revelation too. And verse 4 to 5, Jesus said, Therefore, remember where you have fallen. Repent. What does that mean? It's time to turn away. Come on. There yeah. are some friends you cannot hang out with anymore. True. Do you excommunicate them? I'm not telling you to do that, but spending all your time with them, do not think a bad company will make your character better. Hello. Okay? 1 Corinthians 15, verse 33 says, bad company corrupts good character. And you end up starting gossiping and slandering and becoming just like that person. Thinking you're going to save them, you become like them. Okay, 1 Kings 11, verse 4, we know that Solomon and all, all his wives, it says, turned his heart towards idols. you got to repent. you got to walk away. I remember when I really fully met God. I was a rebellious teenager for a little bit. I was kind of in the popular group. And I remember when I got saved, I had to walk away from the popular group. I had to. And then people were like, why are you doing that? Why are you? I was like 14. Like, 14-year-old doing that? That's strange. I walked away. It was one of the best decisions I've ever made in my life because I watched all those girls become yucky, drinking. The drinking age is very young in New Zealand. That's where I did high school. And I watched them degenerate, and I was like, thank God. Because if I would have stayed in that, I would have become just like them. You think you're so strong that you won't. Just give it some time. Oh, well, I need to save them. Give them a call. Don't go to the parties. Hello. Do not put yourself in compromising positions. Walk away, repent, turn away. And there's always something to turn away from. Even if it's, it's you're watching, you, you let the Netflix slide. Repent, turn away from that now. 
You started working too much and you're not abiding with other people in the community. Turn away from that. Well, well, I need income. Put the Lord first. He'll provide for you. It's true. Okay. Living on fire for God is really a decided life. You're deciding to choose God. You're not a weird, loopy, crazy, chandelier-jumping uh, Christian. Oh, well, if I'm on fire, I could be like all the weird people. I'm like, I'm not going to be able to have any friends if I shut up and roll on the ground and laugh and If your friends knew what that was, they would all want it. Their eyes are blind, but yours are not. Okay, some of the most decided on fire people that I've ever met are the most stable, wise, excellent spirit, hardworking, normal people. They're like Daniel. They're like above the rest. Those are the most on fire people that I've ever met. So we think you're going to turn into some kind of hostile weirdo. That's not what it is. Okay. If you're going to fight against backsliddenness, lukewarmness, you need to do what Matthew 5.30 says. You need to cut off the sin. Cut it off. Cut off the drinking. Cut off the smoking. Cut off the parties. Cut off the TV. Show up to church. Show up to online cryouts. Okay? We need to be like the children of Israel who were told in Numbers uh, 33 and verse 52 to 53 to drive out the inhabitants of the land until you possess it. Because sometimes, too, in our lives, we're doing all the right things, we're abiding, we're doing all these great, we're repenting, but you're tolerating the enemy in your territory. You're not driving it out of your life. You're not praying, get out in Jesus' name. You're just letting them all inhabit with you, and you're not taking dominion over your life. You're just, you're just, oh, I just take it as it comes. The Lord is sovereign. He's leading me, really. Then why do you need wisdom? Why do we, we need wisdom that's all sovereign? You would need wisdom if you just need the word of the Lord. Somebody reminds you like, Dee -dee -dee. Okay, Joshua 18, verse 3. Joshua said to the sons of Israel, How long will you put off entering to taking possession of the land which the Lord your God gave you? How long are you going to put off getting the devil out of your life? Tolerating Jezebel, tolerating these things, tolerating stuff all around you. And you, it's like you might... Say, well, I don't know what I'm tolerating. Listen to that small voice on the inside of you. The Holy Spirit is talking to you. Come on, you're tolerating that. You're living in an old season. Are you with me? Okay, you got to push out the enemies, take possession, okay, and be a doer of the word. Okay, if you are not going to be a backslidden, lukewarm Christian, you're going to be a doer of the word. Let's go to James and verse one, uh, chapter 1 and verse 22. But prove yourselves doers of the word, not merely hearers who delude themselves. This is this generation. So much knowledge, podcasts, YouTube, preaching, conference. You are deluding yourself if you are getting all that knowledge and not doing anything with it. Sometimes I resist listening to podcasts and stuff because I'm like, I want to make sure I'm doing what I heard last time. Okay, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like the man who looks at his natural face in the mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. But the one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides in it, there's that abiding. Not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer. This man will be blessed in what he does. Woo! We're going to say doer. Doer. Come on, we, we have to start doing the word, working the word. Okay, it's not what you hear, it's what you understand and do. 
not looking and forgetting. We gotta keep abiding. That's the whole, that's, that was the beginning of this whole sermon. All of this happens because somewhere in your life you stopped abiding with God, with his word, with his people. Are you with me? Yes. Okay, I love John 6 and verse 63. The spirit who gives life, it is the spirit who gives life and the flesh profits nothing. Everyone's looking for success in the flesh, but it profits nothing. The words that I spoke into your spirit and your life cling to his words. Be teachable. Okay, because you might be abiding with him in the secret place, but you haven't learned to hear his voice very well. And God speaks through your leader and you reject it. That was God's voice. Oh, Lord, speak to me. I just want to know what you want to say. Your leader says something to you. And you're like, I disagree with that entire thing you just said to me. You were asking God to speak to you. I disagree. That was them. I want to hear from God. He's like, that was your blind spot, and you somehow can't hear me in that area. So I had to use another vessel. Cue the Nathan. Well, I don't like what they That didn't mean that. You know you see a person's true colors when you tell them no? Yeah. You ever heard that before? Well, I completely disagree. Have you seen the meme that says, it's like the dad and the kid, and he's like, say the magic word to get whatever you want. And the kid's like, I'm offended. <laughs> if you say you're offended, you'll do whatever you want these days. Well, I'm offended. Okay. First of all, you're setting yourself up for a trap according to the Bible. Yeah. But second of all, you're muting the very voice that God's trying to use to speak to you. Come on. If you think that you can fully hear God by yourself, everything all knowing, you're in deception. We would not be we would not need to be a body. Just be go lone islands of the Lord. You heard what I'm saying? We gotta cling to him, we gotta abide with him. We have to be teachable. We have to listen. But listen, when people tell me stuff, I'm always looking for the voice of Jesus in their voice. Speaking into my life, I'm like, is this Jesus? What's Jesus saying? Again, I'm like, is this for me? I take it for me. And then I wait for him to say, oh, no, that's not you. Instead of the opposite, this isn't for me. I disagree. I throw this on. Ah, don't have that attitude. If someone's trying to speak something into your life, just assume it's all for you, unless they're nasty devils. Don't do that. But people you know and trust, totally spend on it. Because there's some nasty devil people, bless their hearts. That they try to give you all the repentance spewing demonic over you. Do not receive that. But the people you know and trust, if they're speaking into your life, they say something, well, I don't trust you anymore. Well, you did before the word of the Lord came to you. Oh, come on. There you go. The more you abide with God, the more you'll be able to hear his voice in other people. You'll be like, I recognize that voice. Even though it's grading me, petting the cat backwards, I recognized it. Everything in me, all my soul and flesh is fighting it, but my spirit is, feels some weird peace on this. Are you with me? If we're clinging to him, this is what happens. Job 17, 9. Nevertheless, the righteous will hold to his way, and he who has clean hands will go stronger and stronger. Psalm 84, 5. How blessed is the man whose strength is in you. And verse 7, they go from strength to strength. Every one of them appears before God in Zion. Proverbs 4, 18, but the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn that shines brighter and brighter until the full day. Abide with your father. Abide in his word. Abide with his people. Stop fighting. Stop trying to be right. Stop trying to bring your, your edge on something. Because even as I'm preaching right now, I can tell some of you are like, well, this scripture says da-da-da-da. 
You can find any scripture in the Bible to counter another that you want. Did you know that? Oh, well, I'll just get this other to prove you all wrong. Maybe you're missing the point. Otherwise, you would have the microphone. I don't. <laughs> Otherwise, you'd be saying something. Well, I am on the inside. I'm standing up on the inside. How is that working for you? How is that dry cracker of your Christianity working for you? It's real. Shut up. Here's the deal. If we don't abide with him in his word, and in, the, the, in his presence, in our rooms alone, fellowshipping with you, do not think that any of these things will just not come by you. We want to be, we want to be proven to be faithful. First, as Second Peter one verse five says, now for this very reason also applying all diligence in your faith. God will supply moral excellence, and in your moral excellence, knowledge, and in your knowledge, self-control, self-control, perseverance, and in perseverance, godliness. If we don't do this, God will choose someone else. Oh, I don't believe that. I cannot tell you how many old people that I have heard of that wish they did more for, that's so much destiny over their lives than they did standing up from the past. I don't want that to happen to any of us. I don't want what was meant for me to be given to someone else. I want to fulfill this. Because God will find a way to accomplish his will. Just ask Esther and Vashti. Who's Vashti? Who's that? That's the wife before Esther that missed it. And Esther had to come in. Don't tell her, oh, well, God, you'll fulfill your own. She did not. You do not hear from her ever again. After that scripture, it's all about Esther. Because God was going to use someone to fulfill his will. And Vashti stopped. She didn't, she didn't meet the requirement. John 15, verse 5 says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I am him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch that dries up. Okay, you're lukewarm, you're backslidden. And they gather them and cast them in a fire where they're burned. That's not us. We're connecting to the vine. Come on, let's just pray in the spirit right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You know, another way not to be backslidden is to be a sower and sow your seeds, too. Lord, we've sown our time into you right now and into this word. And we, by a decision of our will, we connect to you, Jesus, the vine. We connect ourselves to you. We abide in you. We don't want to be those that hear the word and don't do it, God. We don't want to be an unbelieving believer. We want to cling to you. And right now we search our hearts. We do it by I said at the beginning. Search us and know us, God. Tell us if there's any wickedness inside of us. We do not want to give any foothold to the enemy. Right now in Jesus' name, we repent. Come on, all of you right now, search your heart. We repent. We turn away from all the things that have been entangling us. We turn away from the cares of the world and from success and the fear of man and pride and even slander. We, we repent, God. Right? Come on, you guys. Start doing your business with the Lord. We are so sorry, God, if there's areas in our lives that are lukewarm. We don't want to be like a person that hears and goes away and forgets, God. We repent. We repent for doing that right now in Jesus' name. We repent for being distracted and compromising and for resisting your voice and trying to rewrite what you're saying over our lives. We repent for tolerating Jezebel. Come on. 
We repent for being an offense. We repent for running from our calling like Jonah. We repent for being unequally yoked. Come on. We refuse to love the world above you, God. We reject that. And Lord, for those of us in this room who have been lukewarm, we're sorry for having a form of godliness but denying your power. We're sorry for knowing enough of the Bible but not doing it, God. We repent. Forgive us, God. Forgive us. We do our business with you right now. We are so sorry. Lord, we take this word and we say, yes, I take it for me. I will not resist this word. I will not disdain this word. If there's anything in this word that applies to me, show me, Lord. I don't want to be a whitewashed tomb. I don't want to have a dry cracker Christianity. I don't want to call you Lord and not live by what you're telling me to do. I don't want to deny you in my works. I just rebuke every hindering spirit in Jesus' name. Every hindering spirit. I rebuke you. Out you go in Jesus' name. Every spirit trying to hinder our walk with God, trying to lie to us, every deceiving spirit, out you go in Jesus' name. A stronger man has walked into our lives, and that's Jesus. It doesn't matter if you've been here longer, devil, we cast you down. We overthrow your plan right now in Jesus' name. And we declare that the weapon formed against us will not prosper. The weapon formed against the body of Christ will not prosper. We will be those who are on fire for your glory. Walking altars burning for you, God. We repent for needing Nathans coming and telling us what's up in our own lives. We're sorry for being addicted to prophetic words and not doing them. We humble ourselves under your mighty hand right now. And we thank you that you love us, even in the messed upness. You love us, you care. That's why you sent this message. And we hearken unto the warning of the Holy Ghost regarding lukewarmness and backsliddenness in Jesus' name. We hearken unto the message. Yes. And I thank you, Lord, for using us to set people free from lukewarm and backslidden lives. Use us, God. Let these words come to remembrance uh, regarding our own lives, but all the lives around us that might be lukewarm and they have no idea. We're going to be your hands and feet, just like you've helped us today. We're going to help all the body around us not camp out in the middle, but be on fire. And so, Lord, we just say yes to your fire. We say yes to the cutting edge of the Holy Ghost. We, we say yes to faith. Come on. Say yes. 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 Yes, God. Yes to the fire. Yes, God, the fire. Burn me, Lord. Burn me, Lord. Come on, some of you sound dead. Come on, set us on fire. You have the appearance of looking alive. Come on. Repeat after me. I say yes. I say yes. To the fire of God. To the fire of God. Light me up, Lord. Light me up, Lord. So I can burn. So I can burn. Make my life. Make my life. A sign of a sign and a wonder. And a testimony. And a testimony. Of a life. Of a life. On fire. On fire. I believe you're faithful. I believe you're faithful. I will hold on to you. I will hold on to you. I will abide in you. I will abide in you. I will not resist your words. I will not resist your words. And I will always stay humble before you. And I will always stay humble before you. Help me, Lord. Help me, God. In these things. In these things. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Woo! Come on. Awesome.
Awesome. Well, we love you all. Isn't that awesome? Praise the Lord. That was the word of the Lord for us. Uh, let's go out and just be the sign and wonder, burning fiery ones. And if you felt pricks in your heart as I was talking, go into your business with the Lord. Say, Lord, I'm offended about this. I don't like this. Oftentimes when you feel that, it's because it's there. I don't like I, It's because you're offended. I don't like the way that, yeah, because that's what you're operating in right now. <laughs> right? Okay, I love you all. We'll see you at Cry Out on um, Tuesday. Uh, I meant to do an offering for David Hogan right now, but we've run out of time, so we are going to do it on Tuesday night at the cryo. That's okay with Jeff, Pastor Jeff. Okay, I don't know if you know David Hogan, but he is a missionary to Mexico. He is like a Moses on the earth, awesome man of God. They got hit by the latest hurricane that went through in South Texas, and we want to sow his financial seed into them to help their properties. So um, maybe it's good I didn't do the offering now so that we can prepare our hearts to do that on um, Tuesday night at Cry Out. Because we are on our phones doing the sewing anyway, we could just do it then. But just prayerfully ask the Lord if you are to give anything towards David Hogan. We want to help the missionaries. Amen? Amen. All right. Love you guys. We'll see you online on Tuesday. Woo.